0: Welcome to Songcraft. I'm Paul Duncan. And I'm Scott B. Bomar. You're listening to The Mistletoe and Me, written and recorded by Isaac Hayes for the legendary Stax Records and included on the 2023 compilation from Craft Recordings called Stax Christmas.
1: This time of the year, which we call Christmas.
0: In this very special holiday episode of Songcraft, we're taking it back to Christmas at Stacks, featuring conversations with some of the luminaries of the storied Memphis label that dominated Southern soul music in the 1960s and 70s. You'll hear from Deanie Parker, William Bell, and Carla Thomas as we celebrate the season and close the book on another year at
2: Songcraft.
1: The mistletoe and me part one.
0: Well, Paul and Songcraft listeners, here we are. This is the final episode of 2023, another Songcraft year in the books. Uh, we, we have done it.
3: We've done it. It's been a great year. Uh, I think it's a great time to... Why am I yelling? I don't know, but it has been a great year. <laughs> <laughs> this feels like a good time to wish everybody a Merry Christmas, Yeah. Um, a Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, um, and to also to say thanks for yeah. listening to us all year
0: yeah it's uh, you know we took a, a, a brief hiatus um, last year and and came back this year it was our first hiatus that that we'd ever taken and uh, you know we're back in full swing and and uh, I'm here to announce another hiatus but don't get nervous folks. This is only a one-week hiatus. <laughs> we put an episode out every two weeks, uh, but if we were to stay on that schedule, we would be putting out an episode on Christmas Day. Yeah. And you know what we don't want is for you to be sitting around the Christmas tree with your families, and you've got your AirPods in, and you're listening to Songcraft, and you're not fully engaged with your family. And we know the temptation would be too great. Yeah. Uh, so we want to give you a day off. So we're actually going to uh, take a little break of of a week. So instead of coming back in two weeks. We'll be coming back in three weeks at the very top of 2024. Can you believe it's 2024?
3: I can't. Almost a quarter century into this century.
0: In the year that y- that you and I met, if someone had said 2024, it would have sounded like the name of a sci-fi film.
3: Yeah, I would have looked you know, looked forward to the Flying Saucers. <laughs> yeah, and, where's you know. those
0: flying cars? We are supposed yeah. to have those None a long of that time happened. ago. Um, but 2024, we will be back, uh, and we've got some some great stuff uh, coming up. So we're going to be coming back with J.D. Souther. And uh, if you don't know J.D. Souther, you do know J.D. Souther. Yeah, totally. Uh, wrote a ton of Eagles classics. Um, he is an amazing artist, and- songwriter and that's going to be a great way to to kick off the uh the the next year and we've got uh, paul we got quite a few who else do we have in the can uh, we've got
3: nickel creek coming yeah nickel creek that was a fun uh, one amazing group uh danny o'keefe yeah um Audley good time charlie's
0: F- got the blues yep. danny o'keefe that's a, and man that guy he's done some crazy stuff he was involved in all kinds of things that, yeah
3: once we got into the conversation it's like wow we, we are peeling off the layers of this yeah, onion here legend um oddly freed Uh, uh, who was a member of the Black Crows, now uh, part of Sheryl Crow's band, but also a great songwriter in his own right. And we... we, Call a lot of people a friend of the show, but Audley's like a friend of the show. Like yeah, he he's, he's our bro. He's yeah, like, like, hey Audley. Yeah, Audley, how's it going, man? Uh,
0: so yeah, you're out there. You're you're uh, you're doing your walk, your run, your, your jog, <laughs> and thanks for listening. Uh, Audley's a great dude. Can't wait to share that one with you. Um, we have uh, Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses yep. coming up. We've got that one in the in the can. Charlie Starr of Blackberry Smoke. Uh,
3: the great Alan Bergman. Yes. From uh, the husband and wife team of Alan and Marilyn Bergman, who wrote, what, 60 Barbra
0: Streisand songs? Is that, <laughs> like is something it, like that, yeah. Yeah,
3: an absolute legend. You don't uh, want to miss that one.
0: 98 years old. Yeah. Um, that was wild to get. We went over to his house and talked to him. That was fun. Uh Carolyn Don Johnson, lest you think we only speak with males. Right. Uh, we, we, we welcome all people here at yeah. Songcraft. Uh, we've got that one coming up. So anyway, we've got some in the can that are recorded already that'll be coming up soon. Um, we're excited to, uh, to share those with you. But, you know, they say that the holidays, Paul, are a time for giving.
3: They do say that.
0: And uh, not that we are a charity here at Songcraft. But we are an organization with expenses. We are in need. <laughs> we are. So we are. We're. Yeah, I guess we're charitable in, in, yeah. a, in a certain in a sense that we're kind of your down and out, uh, you know. <laughs> no, but um, we do have a Patreon and we don't talk about it a ton because we don't want to like, you know, bug everybody. But if you right. go to patreoncom dot Songcraft show, you can find out how you can help financially support what we do here on Songcraft and give some cool perks, uh, you know, in addition. Yeah,
3: honestly, we don't talk about Patreon enough. And and not only is it that we don't talk about the fact that it's available out there for people to join, but we don't thank our Patreon subscribers enough. That's another That's thing true. I want to say this year. Thank you to our Patreon subscribers. And if you don't know what that is, those are people who give a small amount uh, of money you know, yes. per month. American um, dollars. Yeah, they, uh, you know, it's just sort of an, an easy contribution that they're able to make. And in return for that, there are some tiers of, uh, what do we call them? Not gifts, but. Tears uh, of, rewards. Joy, tears hey, of tears joy. Tears of joy. Tears of <laughs> heaven. There are some sort of tiers of rewards that you get at certain levels for contributing to the show. Some of that involves shout outs on the show. Some of that involves um, actually being involved in maybe contributing some questions to yes. some episodes. And then we've also got this great behind the scenes stuff that we provide access to for our Patreon subscribers. And for some of these upcoming episodes, there are some cool stories that we're going to want to throw out in terms of how those. Uh, episodes came to be.
0: Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, so go to patreon.com. That's P A T R E O N.com slash songcraft show to figure out how you can become part of the Songcraft team in this coming year. And it's a great time because, you know, we're thinking about end-of-year giving. We're thinking about priorities. What causes, uh, what programs do we want to support in this new year, in the mythological science fiction age of 2024? (laughs) uh, Well, you know, where do you want to support with your dollars? And uh, so we appreciate you guys taking a look at that. Uh, The Patreon support really means a lot to us. Those
3: cars aren't going to fly themselves. You know, if, if speaking of giving, and if you want to kind of be in the spirit of giving, let's say you know a songwriter. I do. Who's talented? Uh huh. Writes great songs. Yeah. But their demos are trash. <laughs> I definitely know a guy like you, that. I, I don't like where this is going, but <laughs> let let's say let's say you have someone like that in your life. What would you think about gifting
0: them a session at Pearl Snap Studios? That is a great idea. You know. Pearl Snap Studios, which you can find at pearlsnapstudios.com, uh, is an absolutely phenomenal place for a songwriter to connect with our friend Justin and his team and come up with a great demo. And we often encourage listeners, hey, if you've got a song and you need a professional quality demo, talk to Justin. Maybe uh, you know somebody else who needs that yep. professional quality demo, like you say, and... Uh, And you just maybe, you you haven't really known how to talk to them about the crap quality of their demos. (laughs) And you're thinking, well, here's a perfect holiday gift. I can give them, I can can go to PearlSnapStudios.com. I can contact Justin. I can contact the team there. And I can maybe find a way to prepay. You'd be surprised how affordable a really great, Guitar yeah. vocal demo can be, and maybe that's a gift that you give to somebody uh, for the holidays this year.
3: Justin would look great under a tree, don't you think? Just <laughs> he put a really bow would. on his head, yeah. Just...
0: Or he could get up on the tree like an angel. I oh, think that's
3: that's the idea.
0: Yeah, if you've got a like a, a tall house and you can fit <laughs> a full grown man on top of your tree, you know, I'm sure for the right price he might be willing to, to come out to your place and do that. Uh, you know, you never know unless you ask. But um, yeah, maybe maybe this is a gift for yourself. Maybe you're saying, hey, you know what? this coming year is where I'm going to get more serious about my songwriting. I'm going to get two or three really good demos done of, of my very best songs and uh, and you know just just do it man. Just yeah. you, You've been hearing us talk about Pearl Snap Studios forever and maybe you're like ah, here they go again talking about Pearl Snap Studios well then you know then just do it
3: And since we're in the mood to thank people for their support over the year, I would like to thank Justin and Pearl Snap for their support of our podcast over this year. And it's not always easy putting these episodes out and particularly the Christmas episode, I would say, Uh, you know, we try to figure out you're really good at this, trying to figure out creative angles to bring a a Christmas episode to the people. And we've done some cool thing. We did a 12 days of Christmas thing where we did these little vignettes, you know, short episodes um where we've talked about some of the classic songs of Christmas you got to go back and check those out. Yep. We talked about Feliz Navidad. Yeah. We talked about All I Want for Christmas is You. Yep. Um we talked about Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Yep. You know we we talked about these Santa songs. Baby. Yeah. And so, you know, here we came this year and it was like, okay, how do we do something that we haven't done before? A gift we haven't yet given the listeners.
0: And let's be honest folks, you know, a lot of the writers of these classic Christmas songs are are if they're not already gone, yeah. they're going quickly. And so we're going, "Hey, we keep wanting to do these holiday episodes because, you know, we're not Grinches. We're the type of dudes who love to put on some some good holiday music and enjoy the season. And uh, But you go, well, uh, what are some of the classic Christmas songs out there? Oh, man, that, that person's no longer with us. That yeah. person's no can't longer with Irving us. Berlin, you know? Can't get Irving Berlin. Can't get Irving Berlin and can't get Johnny Marks who who wrote all of them. Uh, <laughs> you know, and so we go, hey, what can we do this year? And every year it's becoming more and more of a challenge to say, what are we going to do for Christmas this year. And just when, you know, I thought, man, I don't know what we're going to do this year. Here comes this cool new compilation called stacks Christmas. Yeah. Uh, it's got 12 classic tracks from Otis Redding, the staple singers, Booker T and the MGs, Isaac Hayes, Albert King, uh, Rufus and Carla Thomas. And, and it just kind of clicked for me. I thought, Hey, what if we do Stacks Christmas
3: this and it, year? Well, and it's great because you happen to be the kind of guy that can be like, why don't I just call my friends at Stacks and we'll do this? You know, <laughs> uh, I think uh, a lesser man, like say myself, would have just sat and be like, I wish I could talk to somebody at Stacks. But you just sort of reached out and here we are talking to Deanie Parker.
0: Yeah. And you guys will remember if you listen to the show and obviously you do, or you wouldn't be hearing this. We spoke with Deanie Parker recently. We did an episode with her and uh, it was really great to speak with her because she wore a lot of different hats at Stacks. Um, she was a, a PR person there. She was a songwriter there. She was even an artist there. Um, and just a delightful woman. Yeah. And she actually wrote the liner notes for this Stax Christmas compilation. And Deanie has been writing liner notes. Uh, she was writing liner notes for Staple Singers back in the day. She was writing liner yeah. notes for Booker T and EMGs in the 60s. This is a woman who has been doing album notes, doing liner notes for decades and she's still doing it, which is great. This brand new compilation. She's got brand new notes. So um, what's exciting. You can obviously go on to Spotify um, and listen to this stuff or wherever you listen to music digitally. But if you want the physical version, if you want to read the liner notes, which I highly recommend, think about getting the CD, think about getting the vinyl, and we have a very exciting, I'm not even going to call it a contest, uh, we have an opportunity for a listener to get a vinyl copy of Stax Christmas, and we're going to give this away before our next episode, because we want you to get it before Christmas, so we're going to give it about a week, and what we want you to do is to email us, you'll send it to songcraftshow at gmail.com, and all we want you to do is tell us why you would like to have a vinyl copy of the Stacks Christmas Compilation. And whichever one we think is the best email, we're just going to send it to you. So when you send us your reason, send the address uh, along with it. And uh, and if you are the winner, then um, you're going to get something very cool in the mail.
3: You know, and let's be honest. There are people who have already fast forwarded through this beginning section of, of the podcast. So if you're listening right now, you've got a good chance of winning this. <laughs> because there are some listeners who've already pressed that button to move forward. And, yeah, But you're listening to our voice right now. It's just send it.
0: Yeah, just try it out. Just Just send send us an email and make us laugh, make us cry, you know, whatever (laughs) you want, but give us your your reason why you want it. And, uh, and if we, if we pick you, then Hey, there you go. It's, it's just all about the season of giving, isn't it, Paul?
3: It is. You know, it's, you mentioned Deanie Parker and you mentioned her history in writing liner notes. Yeah. And I would argue that she's somebody that you probably read her liner notes, you know, in, in the past as you were coming up. Yeah. There's a real irony right now to the fact that she is actually nominated yes for a Grammy in 2024 for yep. writing liner notes uh, for the uh, Stacks Stax Demo project that came out. Yep. You are also nominated for a Grammy for I writing am. liner notes for the Howdy Glenn project.
0: Yeah. So she's your competition. She is uh which is kind of funny. Uh, so the, Wait, so the the master and the student this is like <laughs> this is like a ninja movie right it, now. It is. The the master and the student are now facing off. Yeah. Um No, it's, it's wild. So there are five projects nominated in the Grammy category of best album notes. Maybe you didn't even know that that is a category folks. (laughs) Uh, it is. Um, this is my third nomination in the category. Haven't won always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Um, but, uh, I have, have been nominated three times and this year is a little conflicting because I am up against Deanie Parker, who Uh I would really like to see. When now I will say,
3: I mean, I was rooting for you too, but she is charming.
0: Like I, <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't well, know. I might've switched teams. I'm going to tell you this though. Uh, I'm nominated for one Grammy, Deanie Parker and Robert Gordon. They wrote the notes for uh, the project you mentioned, which is called written in their soul. The stack songwriter demos. And we talked all about that project when we had Deanie on before. Um, and they are nominated for best album notes. And I'm nominated, as you said, for best album notes in my category. They, the two of them, along with Cheryl Pavelski and and a group of other people are nominated for best historical album. Hmm. So I'm just going to say that if, if Deanie Parker and Robert Gordon somehow don't win the best album notes category, uh, they, I really hope win the historical, (laughs) so I'm going to just say Robert Gordon, who's also a heck of a guy, great dude. I know him. Uh, Robert Gordon, Deanie Parker. I hope you guys win the best historical album, Uh, category and if you win the best album notes category I won't be mad at it because those are some really great uh, notes Um, and you know then I'll try again uh, another round I guess see if I can uh, see if lightning strikes four times as they say you know I'm
3: just hoping for a great game (laughs) I'm just I'm I'm just hoping for a close fun game to watch you know it's (laughs) just hard to root for anybody these days no I mean look we've been friends for a long time I'm I'm, I'm in your corner
0: here yeah yeah well I think it's going to be a great uh, Grammys this year we've got uh, Dan Nigro who's been on the show before is up for producer of the year. Uh, Shane McAnally, who's been on the show, is up for... Uh, songwriter of the year um, his frequent co-writer Brandi Clark who's been on the show twice before is up for more Grammys than I can even count this year uh, Ashley Gorley is right. up for a Grammy for best country song as is Dan Wilson in the same category both of them have Damn, been on the we show we are quite the success we are I, we we hobnob with they the right been folks rubbing elbows um, with some stuff. yeah um, yeah Allison Russell is nominated this year Rodney Crowell the aforementioned Nickel Creek which are, are coming up soon are, are nominated for best folk album and uh, and, and even though our old pal Bill Gaither. The Gaither Vocal Band is nominated Amazing. for their 1 millionth Grammy in the <laughs> Best Roots Gospel category. Um so you know a lot of songcraft guests, songcraft friends are up this year so I'm looking forward to going to the ceremony and seeing Miss Parker there and seeing some of our old uh, songcraft friends. It's going to be uh, a party. I will be at home in my home pants. <laughs> <laughs> With my home shoes. Wait a minute. These I, you're, you appear to be in my home in your home pants. I'm wearing today. home
3: pants. <laughs> I don't wear hard pants anymore. <laughs> After 2020, the hard pants went away.
0: Yeah, you know sometimes you gotta you gotta wear inside the house shoes on the outside. I don't of the wear
3: house. pants that button or zip. <laughs> no,
0: that's too much. It's fame. all strings. <laughs> and, and you know I wear the slip on shoes because who needs to be bending over trying to totally. use? The, all right. Well, so we're a thousand years old yeah. is the point. Um, but uh, you know what's two thousand years old is Jesus. Um, so coming back to Christmas, Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before we uh, jump in here, what we're gonna do? We said we're doing a stacks Christmas episode here. We're going to, we're going to hear from Dini Parker. Um, We're going to hear from William Bell and we're going to hear from Carla Thomas. Now we've talked to Danny Parker before, but this is all new material. Uh, We've talked to William Bell before we've pulled out a great little Christmas nugget. Uh, And we've never talked to Carla Thomas previously on the show. We've got some great stuff in the can with her, actually another one that's coming down the pike in this coming year. Um, But we've got some great Christmas material that we're going to kind of preview. We're going to tease the Carla Thomas uh, content here on this very special Stacks Christmas episode Um, so we're just going to kind of jump in and and play some, some bits and pieces of these three different legendary Stacks artists and talk a bit about Christmas time at Stacks. So get your, uh, get your jingle bells out, get the sleigh (laughs) bells out and, you know, get yourself a nice, uh, cup of hot cocoa or whatever your, your holiday beverage of choice is and cozy up and enjoy the stylings of Stacks Christmas as we start out with uh, Deanie Parker. And she not only wrote the liner notes for this thing, she wrote the song Who Took the Marriott of Christmas by the Staple Singers that's on this compilation. Um, and she just gave us great insight into Stacks and the culture of Stacks. And she mentions, you know, the founders of of Stacks, Jim Stewart and Estelle Axton, which the S-T of Stewart and the yep. A-X of Axton, or why it's called Stacks, if, if you didn't know that. Um, and she even kind of reveals a, a little Isaac Hayes conspiracy theory uh, Ooh. that, uh, yeah. So keep your ears open for that. You're and, telling uh, me the
3: Isaac Hayes moon landing wasn't real?
0: <laughs> Here's Deanie Parker. Part two. Deanie Parker, Merry Christmas and welcome back to Songcraft. Merry
4: Christmas to you, Scott. Have you been behaving? Because you know if <laughs> you haven't. I'm gonna the answer man, that, he has not. The big man <laughs> is not gonna make a stop at your place. You know <laughs> that, right?
0: We'll keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we want to talk about uh, Christmas at Stax. Um, but before we do, I have to say um, the last time we had you on the show, it was to talk about uh, Written in Their Soul, the Stax songwriter demos, which is such a neat um, collection. And since we spoke with you, you have become a two time Grammy nominee for uh, album notes and also for producer for for that release so huge congratulations that,
4: something, that is the most amazing thing i mean it is just unbelievable you know and now i'm getting emails from the co-author of the the liner notes for uh written in their soul robert gordon yeah and uh and and he you know he is saying to me oh we've got to coordinate our acceptance i thought what <laughs> I I am just now dealing with the fact that we've been nominated.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you there. And, uh, even though you are my fierce competition, I I do think you're going to win and I wish you all the best.
4: Thank you so much. And likewise, (laughs) I am, it'll be so much fun. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well let's, let's talk about Christmas at stacks. I'd love to just get your thoughts because you were at stacks in various capacities as songwriter, as PR person. I mean, you wore a lot of hats at, at Stacks and you kind of got to see it all. I'm curious behind the scenes, what was Christmas like at Stacks? Did they have Stacks Christmas parties where the office staff and the and the artists came? Was there, you know, was, was there kind of a, a pause to celebrate Christmas at Stacks or were you guys just so busy making records that, you know, it just kind of flew on by?
4: I think all of the above, Scott, um, I only remember maybe three Christmas parties at the most. Hmm. Uh, two of which were at uh, the location in Studio A, and it was just a normal, if anything, it's stacks with normal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a Christmas event where all of us gathered and I don't even think we didn't exchange gifts. I remember one year that uh, we celebrated Estelle Axton with flowers and what have you, but it wasn't that kind of Christmas party. It wasn't intimate. Our employee artist Christmas parties were, if I could describe it, more like a, a commercial um, event, hmm. more like a promotional event than anything and perhaps that is because the 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 um the 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 stacks employees who were on site every day did not spend as much time with the entertainers the celebrities as one might presume Ah. Uh, because most of the time when the artists would come in they would go into the into either the writer's laboratory or into the studio or into a session into production and so there wasn't a lot of socializing going on you know yeah Yeah. um uh and then of course there's that infamous christmas party uh that we had out at jim stewart's house uh when janice joplin was in town oh wow and, and I'm still trying to figure out how it was that Janice Joplin got to Stacks Records and up into our uh, intimate circle to start with. I just remember that we had decided that we were going to have an event at the Coliseum, and it was to have been a fundraiser. And we were going to use the proceeds from that to do some community goodwill during the holidays. And somehow or another, it was determined that Janis Joplin would be available and she was interested in being a part of the event. Hmm. Well, we had all of the Stacks, well, maybe not all the Stacks stars, but the majority of the stack stars were there and performing. And we also, uh, it was just kind of an unspoken thing that Janis would, would headline it. She would be the last to perform. Huh and uh and i understand that her her, her repertoire did not appeal to the people who were in the audience yeah. they had come to hear the stacks artist perform yeah and so we we felt badly for her because she felt badly having prepared for uh an encore and she didn't even get an applause for uh wow. <laughs> the back door nope, <laughs> so
0: <laughs> wow
4: But but the thing about it was when we talk about you know Christmas parties, so then Jim Stewart had just completed his palatial estate, um, after about two and a half years of renovating, just a regular four or five bed, uh, two or three bedroom home, he had turned it into, uh, many bedrooms (laughs) with the pool and the guest houses and. That's where Otis stayed when he came to town, and and what have you, and Janice came in, and I don't know why she would do this. She uh put her cigarette out in the carpet.
0: Oh my gosh. Of
4: the store's home. Wow! And and took her took her shoe, her foot, and smashed it into the carpet. And it wasn't a a, a mean spirited thing. I think sh- this was just you know uh, a a nasty habit of hers huh wow that she did that and of course Jim's wife was fit to be tied <laughs> yeah, you know I bet. Uh, <laughs> She, uh, that was the end of that, you know. Uh, uh, Janice had uh, Janice had to go, you
2: know. Oh, wow!
4: wow. Uh, and of course, uh, Janice got her Southern comfort and had her party in another part of town close to to <laughs> Studio Eight. I heard about it. I couldn't go. I don't. I don't think I was a big enough girl to go to that party. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Great. You know, when it comes to when it came to writing and recording Christmas songs at stacks, you know, you think of Who Took the Out of Christmas or Otis's recordings of Merry Christmas, Baby and White Christmas. Were those done? You know, nowadays people are recording Christmas songs in the summer and you got to come in and it's all hot and you got to pretend that it's cold and put lights up to, to convince yourself that it's Christmas. Uh, I know sometimes uh, in... Earlier eras, songs were recorded and got out much quicker. Were, were you guys able to actually do those songs in November and have a feeling of Christmas when you did them, or were you in there in the summer doing Christmas songs?
4: Some of these songs were done when we had access to the artists, hmm. and that might have been any time of the year. Wow. Um, and some of them were done during the Christmas holidays. I was, as I looked back through the, the songs that are... Uh, offered to us on Stax Christmas, hmm. the, the 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 uh CDN album. I'm thinking about you know Otis Redding I'm not sure that he was in the studio at the at, at the time that uh, uh Merry Christmas Baby was 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 recorded. Hmm. Um and 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 when I when I listened to that song uh, as I was writing the liner notes for this uh album I thought Gee, you know, and I read what what their what Concord's production department had shared with us. It seems like this this song had been around for a long time, done by Otis Redding and recorded in the studio. Merry
1: Christmas, baby. Should it treat the night? Merry Christmas, baby. Nice,
2: and guess you did. Bought me a diamond ring,
1: and now I'm living in paradise.
4: You know, for an artist to come in for one song for Christmas was not realistic. It was not practical. You know, uh, so we took advantage of the artist who was there for a routine session yeah and if a writer had had composed a, a song about christmas and the holiday we utilized some of that time to record it and just put it in the can polish up the production and then uh release it into the marketplace in time for christmas such was the case with who took the mirror out of christmas and i gotta tell you something have you ever looked at the lyrics so to who took the Mary out of Christmas? Yes. because I had I had a uh, uh, discussion with the production department and publishing about the title of this song because the title was Who took the M A R Y out of Christmas? Huh. And they changed it to Who took the M E R R Y out of Christmas? It's wow. definitely not talking about M-E-R-R-Y. Well, maybe maybe to some people, right. maybe to atheists and others. It would, you know, M E R R Y works, but I wrote it with M A R Y in mind, and it was not Christmas when this was done. I knew that Al Bell was in Muscle Shoals on a recording session with the Staple Singers, and I wrote this with them in mind, Hmm. and I specifically wanted them to have a Christmas song, and this title had been on my heart for a while. Who took the Mary out of Christmas? And so I remember having stayed up two nights uh, on the piano and dealing with the lyrics. And when I had finished it and recorded it on my cassette recorder, I called Al Bell and I said, listen, before you wrap up your session, I have a song I want you to uh, to do on the Staple Singers. It's a, it's a Christmas song. And he didn't argue with me. He said, get it down here to me. And so I got in my car, got on highway 72 out of Memphis, drove to muscle shows, went into the studio, sat down, taught the chords to the guys, the musicians in the studio, sang it for them. And essentially got up, left the lyrics on the piano, went back, got in the car, and drove back to Memphis. <laughs>
2: wow. And
4: the next time I heard it, it was, it was finished. Wow. And, wow. and, and it was exactly what I imagined that they would do with it. And, and, wow frankly i hate i hate to be biased but i love it
0: (laughs) but we love it too such a great songwriter success story where you've got an, an idea, you've got a vision, you, you do it, you go down, they record the song. Do you recall if there were other times maybe that it didn't go as well? Maybe you had an idea for a Christmas song for somebody and it they didn't record it or or you didn't quite find a home for it. I guess what I'm asking is are there, are there other Deanie Parker Christmas songs that maybe we don't know about?
4: Well, there is uh, a New Year's song that Otis Redding and Carla Thomas recorded. Um, oh dear, a New Year's resolution. All right, have you do you remember that? You I don't know think that I know song? that. One. I'm trying to
3: think if it's on that Otis box when set, I think Renee it might be. and I
4: wrote that, yeah, now that was written during the holidays. I remember that clearly. We 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 deliberately decided we well we had researched and thought about what was in the marketplace about New Year's. And everybody's talking about New Year's Resolution and what have you. And so Wendy and I decided we were gonna write that song. Wow. New Year's Resolution. And then interestingly, Carla and Otis were recording. Was it the King and Queen album? It might have been, but yeah. that's just that's how long ago that was, you know. Uh, and they took it, and I thought they did a great job with that, also. Let's-
2: Well, you talk
3: about looking into the, the marketplace. I mean, the, the idea of writing a Christmas song, it's it's a dicey proposition because there are so many Christmas songs and so many classic Christmas songs, yes. and record labels can tend to lean on the classics, well, frankly, because they're public domain <laughs> and because right. nobody has to split the money or any publishing. Yeah. But when you do actually write one of those Christmas songs that becomes you know, what they call an evergreen... It's a pretty amazing thing because people come back to it year after year, and when you add up the amount of listening yeah. the amount of purchases, that writing a Christmas song is actually not a bad business decision.
4: <laughs> well, um, I hear what you're saying, and I tend to be an emotional songwriter.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: If I'm writing a song, chances are I- I'm convinced that there's a place for it in the market or somebody's either... Oh mistreated me or I'm disappointed or you know it depends if I'm writing alone and I have written songs by myself as you know but then when I'm writing songs with others you have to incorporate into that songwriting experience what their feelings uh, and experiences about the subject matter is you know I'm so glad that Wendy uh, Wendy, Renee, and I got a chance to do that song together for uh, for Otis and Carla, and it was I, I like it. When I again, my bias is coming out <laughs> here, but but you know, uh, I got to thinking also the only dedicated recording session or session I should say dedicated to recording Christmas songs, as far as I know, was this album right here. Mm. Hmm. Booker T and the MGS. The title is "In In the the Christmas Spirit." Spirit.
0: Yeah, Yeah. in the
4: Christmas spirit. Hmm. And 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 so you, when you talk about purposefully having a recording session to have a specific product come out of it, this is the only one in the history of stacks that I recall that's all about Christmas. Wow. And in fact, I was—I pulled it because I thought I had it, and I did find it back in the closet. I almost injured myself, but I found it. <laughs> but I, because I wanted to blue Christmas. I don't want to spread erroneous <laughs> information, but you know the other thing when I listened to it, I thought that's not Booker playing the keyboard huh. on that on the original track on this, huh. because you know Booker has his distinct style. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who was on the keyboard, and I had just made up my mind that Isaac had a gig. Well, maybe um,
0: Isaac was playing. <laughs> yeah, he might have been. Isaac probably yeah. did play on it.
4: He might have. Yeah. But I you know, I, I'm just finding these odd things that I'm not sure really came to my attention or that I cared that much about when I went through it the first time. <laughs> right. Sometimes soup on Dover is better. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right, right. You, were too bu- you were too busy at the time to pick up all those little details.
4: <laughs> too busy, too busy. I just had more fun when they called. They said, would you like to do the liner notes on this Christmas? That's Christmas. I said, well, why not? Yeah. Because these are the kinds of things that I enjoy doing. And in fact, I wrote the liner notes on Booker T. and the MGs in the Christmas spirit. Yeah. I didn't remember that. Yeah. <laughs> so whenever I talk to you guys, I come up with more goodies. <laughs>
3: Are you going to get another Grammy nomination? Is that what we're saying?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Tell Mason Williams that. Well, you know the the we talked about your your album notes Grammy nomination. I think album notes is uh one of those categories that you know maybe people don't know. Obviously, that's not one of the things that gets televised but it's a long time grammy category and you um are someone who's been writing album notes for a long time you were writing album notes for staple singers albums you were writing liner notes for albert king albums you know back at the time that these records were coming out in the 60s you're kind of a a pioneer of album notes so i just think it's really cool and that you're still writing album notes. You were writing them in the sixties and you're writing them now and you're getting Grammy nominated for them after all these years. I just think it's uh, a, cause album notes is an art and I think it's so cool that you're, you know, being recognized for your contributions because you've been doing it a long time and you're really good at it.
4: Thank you so much, Scott. I really appreciate that. You know, I don't ever want it to become too serious because it is a fun opportunity. (laughs) Believe me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when you were, you know, at Stacks and you were kind of, uh, you know, working in PR and thinking about, you know, campaigns, I'm, I'm guessing that Christmas, whether they were Christmas songs or just big records that were coming out around Christmas time, I'm guessing part of your job was kind of thinking about Christmas from a, from a kind of a PR standpoint and how to, you know, maybe build a little press opportunity or, or get some, some coverage, you know, around the fact that it was Christmas or you had Christmas records kind of, that's a different hat you wore other than album notes, writer and songwriter, but, but being a PR person, talk a a little bit about, you know, PR at stacks when it came time for, for Christmas records and that kind of thing.
4: You're absolutely right, Scott. And in fact, one of the controversial things that we did as a part of marketing, was to design a black Santa in huh. ni- in the sixties as a point of purchase, uh, material. I, it, a lot you, your your audience might not have heard what a POP is. You know what I'm saying? But I think you know that. Yeah, our records were distributed by distributors, record distributors, strategically placed throughout the United States. And one of the things that we worked very hard to do was to ensure that the distributors always had the stacks of those product in the in the record shops. Mm, yeah. And in order to get people's attention, I mean, we we might call them uh, ads or slicks or whatever today, but we also had that plus we had the stand-alone Black Santa. Mm. And that we made available to the to the distributors and the mom and pop record shops. I'd be curious now that this is in hindsight to realize in the 60s throughout America, where we did have access to the masses of record buyers, how many of those stores displayed that Mm. black Santa? You know, yeah, yeah, and and as a matter of fact, if you want to see one, Scott, we have it's it's in the Stacks Museum of American Soul Music. Really? You can come and see it for yourself. This is not a Deenie made up story. <laughs> 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 and so, in addition to that, um, we we it was our responsibility in my de- de- department to uh select. Christmas gifts for those to whom we wanted to wish a Merry Christmas, uh, a little bit above and beyond just calling or sending a greeting card. Uh, And so in the month of May, midway through the year, I would start working with specialty company representatives, looking through their catalogs and determining what may be suitable Christmas gifts, unique valuable useful uh to to buy in large quantity that we would send all across the country and i remember one year we uh we purchased uh, acrylic paperweights but these were were these were unusual paperweights because it had a like a a, a quill that the, the the hole that like you put a quill in a in ink yeah. But instead of a pen, it had a silver letter opener. I still have mine. And I put another one in the Sachs Museum Hall in case you need to see it, okay?
0: Uh, (laughs) I think we're going to have to make a trip to Memphis to see all these things.
4: You're going to have to. That's right. Let me give you that that (laughs) personalized tour of what we did at Christmas. (laughs) And we have a number of items in that museum uh, that we used as promotional gifts. Another one that I remember, this is one of my favorites. Remember the landline telephones? Oh yeah. <laughs> well, there was a box about the size of a shoebox with lid that lifted up and it was um uh, inlaid with leather, but the but the box itself was out of fine wood. And we had there the 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 person's initials carved in metal and affixed to that uh, that box. That was a popular gift because you lift up your... The phone would ring. Nobody'd see the phone, you know, <laughs> no phone. And so you'd have to find that box, lift that lid, and pick up that phone out of that box to have your personal conversation. <laughs> Man, wow, that's I
2: cool. I
4: love that item. Yeah, And the, the biggest job that our department did was about a year and a half before an oncoming Christmas, we started collecting all of the clippings um, that were important. Not a lot of duplications, but pictures and photos and press releases and what have you. And we created scrapbooks for all of the Stacks artists. Hmm. That was a monumental task. Yeah. Wow. The scrapbook had to have been at least. Uh, 36 inches tall at least wow. and proportionately as wide and um and i had their names engraved wow. on the leather because they were all bound in leather and that is what i gave to sax artists hmm. for christmas one year what Stax records rather gave to the artists for christmas yeah and when we when we opened the doors to the Stax museum one of the artists Brought us their scrapbook. I don't remember which wow. one it was, but mm. I thought, you know, this is marvelous. I yeah. think I took mine to the to the stacks museum. Yeah, um, wow. because you know, I'm wow. a hoarder. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well. <laughs> Deanie, thank you so much for giving us a little insight into Christmas at Stacks, and we want to make sure our listeners go check out that Stacks Christmas compilation, and we want them to get the physical version so they can read your liner notes, and then they can listen to your song, Who Took the Mary Out of Christmas, and uh, it's just, it's fun to talk to you again, and and we wish you a Merry Christmas.
4: Yes, absolutely. Thank
0: you so much, and pray for peace, guys. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Who took the Marriott
4: Sean Arthur!
3: Love that! I loved hearing Deanie talk about the gifts that, that they had for everybody. Right. You know. um, it's interesting to hear her talk about, honestly, to kind of downplay it. Like, oh, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know if there's anything that special about, you know, these days Christmas at Stacks. And where to me, if all I picture is. You know, maybe Steve Cropper showing up with some snow on his jacket one day. That's magical to me because <laughs> right. Steve Cropper is like a, a mythic hero. Right. So just just the thought of them kind of walking in cold and shaking the snow off their shoes and right. going in there to, to record on December 19th or something. That's Christmas. <laughs> it's stacks <taxed> to me. <laughs> right. And it right. sounds amazing.
0: Yeah. I mean, it is it is funny how we do mythologize these things. Yeah. And for those who live them, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, it's just our day to day. And it's like, well, I think we're all right.
1: You know, yeah, totally. it's
0: like she's kind of like, well, no, I mean, that was just sort of our day to day. It wasn't anything out of the ordinary. Yet, you're out of the ordinary is absolutely fascinating yeah, and extraordinary totally. uh, to us. It's just, you know, you think, wow, to be a, a fly on the wall. There was probably a lot of just boring. Kind of days it stacks, yeah. but, but you know, you think, I'd love to go be transported, go back in time. I'd have
3: a boring day with Otis Redding.
0: <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, if I could just sit and watch Otis sing White Christmas. Yeah. You know. I,
3: I could see you downplaying working with me at some point. Yeah. You
0: know? I mean, honestly, I spend a lot of time having to kind of upplay it. Uh,
3: <laughs> now, listen, when the <laughs> inevitable public interest c- comes and people... People begin to just like flood you with interview requests. What was it like to work with Paul? And I yeah. can just be ah, it's, yeah. it's fine.
0: Yeah, his stomach growled sometimes. He's hey a know. regular guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been a rough day in that respect, but yeah, okay. Uh, so yeah, I mean, what a just lovely person, yeah, Dini Parker is, and I'd like to, I'd like to hang with Dini. Oh my gosh! Yeah, we got to go to Memphis. We got to go to Memphis. We got go to hang to with Deanie in person, and and just go to the Stacks Museum with Deanie. Yeah, and I bet she has stories that we would be in heaven. Yeah, it would be amazing. absolutely um, even the
3: ones that she thinks are run of the mill. Just run of the mill. Yeah, they we'd be, be hanging on every word. Yeah.
0: yeah, she's great. Um, you know, another just absolute legend, uh, Stacks legend that we've had on the show is William Bell, and um, he wrote "Every Day Will Be Like a Holiday," and and you'll hear in the interview how he thinks of the song, whether he really thinks of it as a holiday song yeah. or not a holiday song, whatever it is, it's a great record. And he's a guy like, I forgot to be your lover is one of those yeah. ugh, such a great record. I never, sometimes I'm literally just working and I pull up, I forgot to be your lover on Spotify to take like a mental break. Cause it sends me to another place. It's just <laughs> yeah. like, man, I'm just taking a little work break here and listening to this song. Just makes me f- such a great record. It makes me feel so good. And he had a knack. For just making those records that just make you feel fabulous, and you know, throw some sleigh bells on there, and now all of a sudden you feel holiday fabulous. You know what? You know, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait till we get into the story, and that's yeah. that's a big part of it. It's it is, and uh, man, enough of my yak. And let's uh, <laughs> let's listen to William Bell and, and get a little insight into his Christmas at Stacks. William Bell. <laughs> William Bell. <laughs> Sorry. Uh.
1: everyday of be like a holiday was a song that uh, Booker and I did and we um uh, did it during the holiday season and so um but we didn't do it uh, initially as a holiday song uh when we wrote it uh Al Jackson bless him uh he had the idea he loved it, and but he said, I want to try something. And he put some sleigh bells on it and Christmas bells on it. And, of course, then everybody said, well, this will make a great holiday song. Uh, it's got all the ingredients, and it sounds Christmassy now with the sleigh bells.
2: <laughs> right, right. And,
1: of course, um, when they released it, uh, that's what happened. They just... Uh, and every year uh I've had this jockey say, Well, we know it's Christmas if we hear every day will be like a holiday <laughs> And so it's it's up there with um uh please come home for Christmas and all those iconic songs that white Christmas. So it it's it's a wonderful feeling to have something that you know that will be around long after you're gone and people will play it and uh and and identify with such a festive season and everything so it's just a good feeling
3: you see the word holiday in the title and you think okay well that must have been intended to be a christmas song but but i guess if we had taken madonna's song holiday and put sleigh bells on it maybe that would have ended up being a christmas song too
1: <laughs> <laughs> right uh, you know and um, the way i guess we recorded it um, it's just kind of the sound wise and 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 everything it just blended itself into that because we always Booker and I always took an approach that we wanted our material uh to be uh have the right um uh, mood and the feeling and uh for the music to exemplify what the lyrics were saying. And so uh we always did have a lot of strange rhythmic concepts for our ballad, more <laughs> than just the the regular, you know, four beat <laughs> <Yeah, yeah, yeah. laughs> right, right. thing on it. So, right. and so by putting those uh, sleigh bells on it and everything, it just made it work perfectly.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that song has has been covered by the Sweet Inspirations, Holland Oates, Warren Haynes, Carol King, many others. Do you have a a favorite cover version
1: of that one? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I it, you know, when, when I hear an artist cover something of mine, each one of them brings uh, something different to it from their perspective and everything. Yeah. So it's hard to just pinpoint one. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, sure.
0: Well, and, you know, that song was was included on the 1968 album Soul Christmas, which featured other classics like Clarence Carter's Backdoor Santa and Otis Redding's version of Merry Christmas, Baby. Um, was the goal to, you know, I know you said you guys didn't write the song to be a Christmas song, but with that particular album, did they just sort of grab stuff and, and make a compilation of Christmas things that had already been released or was kind of the idea to let's bring these songs together for the first time and, and release them to the public?
1: Uh, it was the idea of let's make a christmas uh, uh uh cd or album and um let's uh pick the songs that would be indicative of the festiveness or the the, the loving mood of of the season yeah so and and that's what they did yeah they just just pick songs that they, they felt fill up felt that fit the project, yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. I got a little day Just about new
0: such a great sounding record Jeez, right always ah it's so good and that's a song that is not on the stacks christmas compilation that we've been talking about the new one that came out but yeah. there was a compilation called soul christmas that came out back in 1968 with a bunch of stacks and atlantic artists um and that was The collection that included that song, of course, it had been released as a single um, and that collection had Otis Redding doing White Christmas and Merry Christmas Baby, which, of course, have become Absolute standards. It had uh, Booker T and EMGs uh, doing Silver Bells and Jingle Bells. I think Booker T and EMGs really liked bells. Uh, I think so. They also yeah. recorded a back to William Bell. So you know, there's a wow. real uh, kind of bell theme. <laughs> um, so every day will be like a holiday was on that compilation, which has been reissued and is also absolutely worth seeking out. So um, again, not one that appears in this compilation, but is uh, one worth listening to uh, in addition to this compilation. It's all part of the stacks. Christmas world. Um, and uh, I saw William Bell. He mentioned in this conversation, he said something about the lyrics fitting the music. And I was at the Americana Fest mm. in Nashville back in the fall. And there was a panel discussion talking about songwriting. And William Bell was on the panel, and so was Dean Eve Parker. And I went up and I got a great photo with both of them, which was cool to see them yeah. together at the same place. Um, But uh, William Bell said something in the panel and I texted you when he said it in that in that very moment, because I thought it was so good. He was talking about this idea of lyrics fitting music. Yeah. And that's something we talk about, you know, a lot on the show. Like if you're if your point is sad, you want to have music that sort of tugs on your heartstrings, not like, you know, a tuba solo. Right. Uh, (laughs) And (laughs) and uh, so William Bell said this and I wrote it down. I'm going to read it exactly like he said it because I thought it was so good. He was talking about how words and music go together and he said if the lyrics say hallelujah the music should say amen. That's incredible. <laughs> I, I <laughs> that am sums and it I'm up. fully prepared to steal that, <laughs> right? And to say that all the time. Yeah. I mean,
3: that's just that's that's just a great piece of songwriting advice yeah. uh, from a master. Um, and you know, we're talking about that Atco collection, uh, you know, you mentioned the song G with its Christmas being part of that with Carla Thomas. And yeah. we're about to launch into this conversation with Carla, and this is our first time to interact or meet Carla, yeah, we had seen her father. You saw her father multiple times, yeah. Rufus live. Thomas, Rufus Thomas. Yep. You and I saw Rufus together, yeah, uh, at a memorable Printer's Alley show in Nashville one night. Yes, um, we were
0: young and and going down to Printer's Alley in Nashville, <laughs> which was uh, an eye opening experience for for a young man. But Car- Carla had
3: always kind of been a, a part of of the musical landscape that we were growing up listening to. Yeah, uh, especially with the duets and things that she had done with Otis Redding. Yeah, um, "Tramp" was the first song that I heard that had Carla on it, which was just a classic uh, Otis Redding type
0: groove. That uh, song is a cover so, song. That song is so good by the way. Yeah. That I never noticed until you pointed out to me recently that they really don't ever sing. They're not singing. It's like they're, they're, <laughs> they're talking. Just, it's like they're just chatter. interacting. Yeah. It's this yeah. great
3: back and forth. Um, there's so much lively, awesome energy in that. And, and we did get to talk to Carla about that, but that's going to come in a later episode. This time we focused on the Christmas portion of Carla's career. Uh, and what a fun time just to get, you know, to talk to her about it. And, and I think she was having fun talking about it too.
0: Well and and G Wizard's Christmas was not like a big hit at the time that it came out but it's an infectious record and it has since kind of become a standard, but, you know, Carla's Christmas activity runs deep. Gee Wizard's Christmas was on that compilation you mentioned back in 1968. On this new Stagg's Christmas compilation, we have her uh, doing a cover of Blue Christmas, which, of course, is best known for the uh, Elvis version. version. And there's a a song on there called That Makes Christmas Day, uh, which she and her father, Rufus, uh, do as a duet. And um, so not only that, but she... Uh, has a Christmas song And I won't, I won't spoil it But she did a Christmas song years ago That has the same title As a very, very famous Modern day Christmas song So there's been a little confusion over the years uh, yeah. But we'll, we'll let you guys hear more about that In the conversation with Carter
3: Well, we all know about your song, "Gee wiz uh, from 1960. It was a top 10 pop hit, top 5 R&B, but you followed that up a few years later with G-Wiz It's Christmas in 1963, and that wasn't necessarily a big hit at the time, but since, it's become an absolute holiday classic. What can you tell us about that song?
5: Everybody was doing a Christmas record, you know? Mm, right. Merry Christmas, Baby had been out forever, and they were playing all these songs. They said, well, we don't want any of your records to get lost during Christmas time. We might as well do a Christmas record. Huh. So it's at, it, it wasn't Jim or anybody that it was a piano player. We were just down there having fun on uh, in the studio. He said, "Well, how they would know it's you if you said, gee is is Christmas, <laughs> right?" So it had to be a joke, and we just sat there and wrote it. I don't know how we just sat there, but that happened all the time. Yeah, hmm. we. To, we could finish writing a song uh, within an hour, huh. and it stayed and put it down. Yeah, it was it was really it really an interesting time. So, I had no idea, and the, of course this is this is a forty five deal. It wasn't now it's on a whole bunch of compilation albums, right? But it was just a forty five. The other side. All I want for Christmas is you.
3: Not the Mariah Carey song for our listeners, but uh, yeah.
5: And I, and I said, "Oh, Mariah Carey, why you want to take the title of my song?" But anyway, I <laughs> right. I love her and her version as well. Yeah. But that the young man uh, A C Williams, who was the director of the Teen Town Singers, wrote that, huh. and I huh. sang while I was a teenager in high school. He wrote that. And every Christmas, I was sing "All I Want for Christmas Is You." It's a ballad, right? Uh, and so, we put that. I had always told him, which I never knew I was gonna be a singer. I put that down, and uh, we had now we have an A and B side record. And they put it, and now it's—it actually kind of bigger than ever because it just keeps being alive. Uh, and I think it'll just go on like "Merry Christmas, Baby," which has Charles Brownston. Yeah, it's just it's gotten to be what they call a classic. Yeah. yeah. Um, a couple of years ago, before the pandemic, I was asked to come to a lot of schools. Of course, I have to look like a star when I come because he gets all excited. The <laughs> teacher. <laughs> Teachers have played Gee Whiz is Christmas and some of my other songs for them to introduce these new kids to my music. Right. And they always they've been playing Gee Whiz is Christmas, maybe a week before. I mean, it's like Beyonce walking in and <laughs> oh, they think I'm a real big star now because of Gee Whiz is Christmas. Because they, all all the kids dress up and and, and uh have the little sparkly stuff on and then I know how it goes because I used to teach. I said, oh Lord, I gotta try to outdo these kids. And I think this is Christmas. So these things have been happening to keep me singing this song for I don't 40 years. Right. And uh five years ago, well I was riding with a friend of mine and they pulled up. They said you're not gonna believe this Carla. It was close to Christmas. He played me some teenagers who had developed a it was like a, a competition. I don't know how they would work that like from uh somebody would log on, they would sing Gee Who is this Christmas, and somebody from another city would log on and then they would play each one and then they would all vote on who did the best one. Right. And I played that for me. Played the girl who started it, played her version play for others. He said, Did you know your song was was part of a competition thing with kids? Huh. I said, No. So when I started doing them here, I, I was just so emotional about that song. I'm glad you asked about it because this season brings about like feelings of uh, just goodwill, good cheer, and also of new young people who now know this song. Yeah. And recently I was at a Christmas tree lighting. The county mayor was there and they gave me a shining star award for just because it was, this award was given in the community I grew up with in um, called Hamilton high school. That's where I wrote G is. Right. And the Christmas tree lighting was in this area. Um, and they gave me a shining star award. And of course I had to sing what, Gee whiz is Christmas. (laughs) You know, I'm I'm just so happy that not only the the my peers, my my uh, people who sing along with me, they keep wanting me to sing it. My community, the kids who I've taught, um, and other artists now that are coming along want to do it. So I'm still hollering out, giving a shout out at Aaron Neville, who used to tell me he wanted to cut Gee whiz. Huh. You still can it, Aaron. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, let me ask you about uh, another Christmas song. Um, more toward the end of the Stax years, uh, you and your dad put out a song called That Makes Christmas Day, which I think that the two of you wrote together. What do you remember about that song?
5: Is my name on that? It is. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I was not living here so much so when the paperwork went out. I, a lot of the time, that's how things got mixed up. Mm-hmm. Somebody else might have filled in and put somebody's name on. They said they wanted, it. Like you said, that, that can happen. Yeah. But I never worried about it. Uh, but just I'm happy to know a friend of mine who would play for me uh, when I would do smaller gigs here in town, he came down. He Dad called him, me, to do the background and the uh, some of the words and i just oh i love that song i wish it had wish they would play it more it's so wonderful of beautiful, beautiful songs. Because Daddy had really dad was a good songwriter. Hmm. But he was more interested in performing and going out and traveling. And but I really wish he had written a lot more of my songs. You know, when you think about that makes Christmas Day so beautiful. Yeah. 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 I mean everybody was shocked. Rufus wrote that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and we did the background and this other young man helped us put some of the background. Arrangements and things together. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm glad you. Oh, I'm so happy you all mentioned my dad's record. Yeah. And my, now that I found that out.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that song uh, that makes Christmas Day is included on this new Stack's Christmas compilation. It's also got a version of you singing Blue Christmas on there, which, of course, I think most people know the the Elvis version, but that's become a real classic. Do you remember anything about recording Blue Christmas? <sighs>
5: Well, when we cut uh, Christmas, gee whiz, it's Christmas. Everybody now, see, we were we were fortunate. We could stay there all day and do whatever we felt like.
2: Mm.
5: It was one of those type of places. Right. Well, now, let's cut, uh, uh, I'll be home for Christmas. Let's cut, now let's cut, they just start calling out stuff.
2: Yeah. So,
5: of course, we loved Elvis in our house. And I said, well, somebody hollered blue Christmas and we just said thank you
2: decorations decorations are red or oh, on a green And when those blue snowflakes start falling, that's when those blue
3: You know, until right now, I think I would have said. Oh, I really only like Elvis's version of Blue Christmas. That's the <laughs> only one that I that I would listen to. But
0: ah, uh, she might have changed my mind. I mean, that's great. That's pretty great. It's man. cool just to think about. It's coming back again to the idea of just what seemed mundane at stacks yeah. is like magic. You know, they're sitting around the studio. Go, hey, how about this one? Uh, yeah. Anybody know the words to this one? Let's I, just start. And to... I
3: love the fact that those musicians just like dropped into it. They just knew what to do. They knew the yeah. songs. They probably didn't have to have any charts whatsoever. These guys just sat down and played it. Yeah. Um, yeah. which real musicianship, real. I mean, recordings, the the kind of stuff that I think you could listen to decade after decade. Yeah. Timeless.
0: Absolutely. Just like Christmas. Yeah, just like Christmas. There's one every year and it never gets old. (laughs) Uh, uh, It it has been a a great 2023 with you Songcraft listeners. And just to remind everyone, if you are interested in... uh, getting your hands on a vinyl copy of this recent compilation, Stacks Christmas, send us an email, songcraftshow at gmail.com. Tell us why you should have this compilation for your very own. And uh, we'll get that sent out to you before the holidays so you can pop that baby on the turntable on Christmas morning while you're opening your gifts. And uh, I think it'll make for just the right holiday mood.
3: Again, we just want to say thank you so much for listening to us for another year for making us feel like what we're doing matters. Um, It really only matters if somebody listens to it, to be honest with you. And so all of you who click that button to listen to the podcast uh, over and over and listen to each episode, it really means a lot and keeps us coming back to the microphones to do it. So thank you
0: and we get your, uh, emails that you send us. And we, all the times that you guys write in and tell us nice things, we don't always get a chance to write back to every single one, but they all mean a lot. And when people write us and tell us how much the show means and how much they're learning from listening to these conversations with songwriters and, uh, and you know how motivated and encouraged and excited they get to go write their own songs. That's so rewarding for us. So I just echo Paul's thanks. And, uh, we love you guys. We appreciate you. We thank you for, uh, hanging in there with us and, uh, I think 2024 is going to be a great year even better absolutely
3: thanks for listening to make sure you don't miss an episode of songcraft please take a moment right now to subscribe to the show via apple podcasts
0: spotify or wherever you get your podcasts you can keep up with us on instagram at songcraft conversations or facebook at songcraft show to join our team and help support our content become a songcraft patron at patreon.com Visit P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash
3: Songcraft Show. And you can always find us at songcraftshow.com dot com.